0: Welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the E! Podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News, alongside Justin Cohen from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette, as always. And today we're joined by a very special guest, an actual friend of mine. Uh, not just a friend of the show, as we usually say, but actually someone that I know well and consider a friend. Wichita Ford, Jason Pino. Um, Bit of backstory, Jason, he, one of his good childhood friends and me, met in university. So before Jason went off to play NCAA hockey, he kind of got, you know, his, his pre-university experience at Ryerson University hanging out with us and uh, got to know him quite a bit. Anyways, so he, let, let, let me tell you about Jason a bit. So after finishing his senior season at Niagara University this past uh, March, where he recorded 22 points in 40 NCAA games, Pinio signed with the Wichita Thunder on March 17th. Since joining the Thunder, Pinio has tallied five points in 11 games, all that within a month span for his first month of pro hockey. Jason, how you doing, man?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So I kind of want to ask you first on like, you're creeping up on a month of being in the ECHL. This all happened so fast. I'm assuming given that you were just playing college hockey, but you know, take a second and reflect for us if you don't mind, what's it been like your first bit of playing pro hockey?
1: Uh, It's been pretty cool so far, different experience. Uh, I'm enjoying the nicer weather than Niagara, but uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun so far. Uh, Hopefully we get some playoff experience as well too. That'd be, Nice little touch as well. But, um, yeah, I've been loving it. Uh, guys have been nice bringing me in. Coaches are awesome. Uh, but, yeah, just completely different change uh, from uh, college hockey. You know, we got more games. You got three and fours or three and threes as opposed to just two games on the weekend. So it's a, a lot less practicing, a little more like skate day of the game and then play at night as well
0: can you take us through the process of leaving NCAA hockey to play pro hockey? Like, was that on your radar throughout the year or did it come about, you know, after, cause you ended playing NCAA hockey and then 10 days later you were in an ECHL game. Like, how does that come about?
1: Yeah. So I was thinking about doing my fifth year, um, cause of the whole COVID year, we got an extra year of eligibility. So my plan the whole year was to pretty much do that. And then as the season was kind of tying down my, uh, agent was like oh we got a good opportunity here in uh Wichita they're like there's a center position uh I think it'll be a good fit and yeah I was kind of just started leaning towards that you know I was like my original plan was coming into school before we even knew COVID was going to be a thing was to play four years and then hopefully go pro after that so I was like kind of made sense just to stick with my original plan and yeah you, uh, you touched on one of the, the big ones already that, you, you
2: know, you already got to jump in and play three and three nights. Um, you know, what mm-hmm. are some of the, the other big adjustments for a player like yourself, you know, going from college to jumping to, to the ECHL right away? What are things you've noticed or, or things that you had to struggle to adjust to?
1: Uh, yeah, I think college is a great way to like adjust to pro. I think it's pretty similar. I think the players just here, I've noticed are a lot smarter and uh, you know, like, crisper passes you know you're not getting stuff in the feet as much but uh yeah i think speed's pretty similar uh if not just a little a tad faster you know plays are being made faster but i think that skating wise everyone is uh relatively the same as college
0: don't mean to Uh interrupt you justin but when you say pins that the guys are smarter there academically or hockey wise
1: (laughs) hockey wise okay just Uh, making sure yeah well we got some college guys we got other guys on the team right now too are just they're in school still as well so we're still taking classes in our free time and stuff but uh yeah i think just mean like hockey iq is a lot smarter you know like guys aren't holding on to the puck as long as just quick passes you know that kind of stuff
2: and it's interesting though because you know sometimes rookies come in beginning of the year they got training camp they've got time to get acclimated you're joining a team that's in a big playoff battle or a battle to get into the playoffs late in the season, you know, they're probably not going to have a ton of patience to, to, you know, really, you know, string you along, I guess. So, you know, is, right. is that difficult? Is there pressure jumping in? I got to get, you know, going right away and get on the same page with everyone.
1: Yeah. I think there's a little bit of pressure, but then at the same time, like, you know, you're excited to be here. So then that kind of balances it out. And then I think uh, college just prepared me for that. Like there's only, like not as many games as pro so you know there's not a lot of gap for teams to get way ahead in the standings like our conference this year was pretty close so anywhere from second to like eighth in our conference every weekend guys were flipping around so that's kind of what uh, our division here is doing as well so I think I'm, I'm pretty used to it.
2: You touched on a little bit of this, but can you you give us a little just kind of specifics as to when you're in college, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go play pro. Like, how does that work? Do you do you have an agent? Do teams contact you directly? Don't trip um, him
0: up with eligibility rules, Justin. You could, he might go back for the fifth year. Actually, he can't. But if no. you be Wait. a lecturer or something, you're about to just throw him to the bus, man.
2: Yeah, we'll 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 edit all the uh, you know Perfect. the money under the table. We'll we'll take we'll care of that. Folks. Yeah, yeah. But seriously, I mean, do you guys like yourself you have an agent? I mean, certain teams, you know, they have certain places that you know are are there. Um, you know, they're, they're proving grounds, you know, like Fort Wayne grabs a lot of guys from university of new Brunswick. So, you know, there are certain teams that are always kind of, um, you know, in the ears of some coaches. So how does it work for you and, and maybe some guys around you?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't talked to a lot of guys outside of uh, Ryan Cox, who's on my team and Casey crew, but uh, you yeah, know, just got calls after the season was done from my agent being like, you know, teams are reaching out uh, a couple of, uh, coaches contact me like directly. And I just said, Hey, like, you know, contact my uh, agent Dave and he'll kind of run it back to me and go through like all the logistics and stuff. Cause I'm obviously like, just finished college. I'm so new to this. Like I just ended up uh, getting with Dave, like a couple weeks before that. So it was, uh, it was all new to me.
0: You know, you mentioned how you and a couple of guys on the team are finishing up school remotely Obviously, it's pretty common when you see guys that are finishing their semester finish during the year, kind of from abroad. How does that work? Like, how do they kind of set that up for you guys?
1: Uh, they've been pretty, pretty good. Our, our school has been uh, really good with that. Actually, we had guys I knew the year before, Chris Harper and uh, Zach Herman. They went on. Uh, he went. Chris went to the Solar Bears, and uh, Herm's went to Cincinnati. So I knew that it was a an option. And like a lot of teachers are really accommodating, you know, they've been sending me like Zoom recordings of the class, if the class is during uh, our practice hours or like, yeah, you know, just like kind of helping us along the way, being like, this is what we talked about. If they can't do that, it's just making sure we don't fall behind.
0: So I've always wondered this because with the NCAA signing season. It's like, you know, even the other night, like I was watching Matthew Knives on the Frozen Four and then he's on the Leafs. It's always that quick turnaround. Yeah. What was that like for you, that kind of 10 days we, we talked on before about, like, your your career, college career ending and kind of feeling those emotions and then kind of the next chapter of your life starting already? What was that like to kind of manage?
1: Right. Um, I don't know. It all happened very quick. Like, after our season was done, we kind of just took time. Like, even the other seniors who went on to pro, like, weren't really thinking about that. We're like, you know, let's just enjoy our a couple days with our teammates and kind of celebrate the year. And then we started getting calls and stuff and sort of dialing in that a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think I, I made the decision on the Monday or the Tuesday, I can't remember, and then I was flying out here on Wednesday, so then practice Thursday morning, so it was a really quick turnaround.
2: Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting though, just so to see you guys talk about this. I mean, I can remember a time. Riding the bus with uh, players, and now that I think about it, I rode the bus with Wichita's coach, uh, Coach Bruce Ramsey, and we were sitting next to a guy whose name was Dan Ronan, and he was taking, he was getting ready to take his LSAT. So you know, he we're we're in the you know no sleeper buses, okay. So we're all sitting upright. We're driving to Asheville, North Carolina. It was like a twelve-hour drive. The guys like literally studying before a playoff game. I mean, we didn't have. We didn't have virtual courses, you know. The, You're
0: making me car sick just thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, school.
2: I'm just thinking, like, what guys like yourself used to have to go through to continue their education while they're still playing. It really is amazing the advances that we've made in, like, 2023 for, for young players like yourself.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think it's crazy. I think that's where, like, COVID kind of helped is, like, we got all this Zoom calls and stuff like that. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah, 100%.
0: I talked to someone that played over the last couple of years, a player that went from the U sports ranks to the ECHL. He didn't stay very long. Um, he just wanted to try it. wasn't He didn't want to continue playing hockey. But he said his biggest takeaway was that he really gained a respect for like the grind of the ECHL. Have you kind of encountered that at all or any things that have really taken you aback during this first couple of weeks?
1: Um, yeah, definitely. In my like second week here, I was like, we're on the ice a lot, like pregame skate, pretty much before every game. So like, we played like a three and four. So it was like we were on the ice, I think, seven times in eight days. So there's like, yeah, that kind of stuff I have to adjust to. But I think just taking care of your body and stuff really helps. I think guys like take that for granted. But yeah, it definitely is a bit of more of a grind. Whereas university, you have a whole week to prep for two games on the weekend. So yeah, that's a pretty big adjustment
0: so when you're playing those three and threes or three and fours or whatnot, do you get a pre-scout or do you talk much about each opponent or is there not really time for that?
1: Yeah. um, When we do like a three and three and four, like when, uh, for example, we went to Utah, like before leading up to, we did a video and stuff before that. But, and then another time where we did who we played, it was like someone else on the Thursday and then Friday, Saturday was against another, another team. And, yeah, it's like you kind of just take one game at a time, do video on this team, and then, you know, when that game's over with, okay, let's start doing video on the next team. You know, you don't really have time to, like, really cover all of them or else you're just going to confuse the guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, I hear that a lot from coaches. It's it's so tough when you're when you're in the three and three or the four and five to make major adjustments, right? Like, right. you could tweak some little things, but, you know, I've seen it very often where it's like a team, they lay a total egg on Friday night. And you're thinking, man, if they were in college, they would go straight back to the drawing board. But you know, a lot of times with the ECHL, they're like, Hey, we're right back at it tomorrow. So we just mm-hmm. gotta try and sort of fix, just kind of polish up the things we did last night. But those major changes, that's a real adjustment, I think, for guys going from, from college to the pros, no?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like college, you you do a series every weekend, right? This was it was weird. We played like Tulsa and then the next day we're playing a different team or just like all right that's completely different game like completely different play styles gotta just adjust
0: what have you made of the bus ride so far are you like are you have you kind of developed your hobby or habit on it or are you still kind of getting used to it
1: uh no I'm pretty used to it like we long bus rides in college but I'd actually never been on a sleeper bus before (laughs) eh? yeah I was like oh this is not bad yeah we were used to sitting like laying down on the two seats and then putting your feet up across the way onto the next guy's seat so that was actually pretty nice i not even in junior we didn't have him either so that was Wait, fun for first experience. uh i'm not even sure is there
0: one for everyone or is it like just a couple like things yeah like no that?
1: no there, there's there's one for everyone
0: that's pretty sweet actually
1: yeah
2: wait i just i just gotta gotta ask like jake what what were you visualizing there like guys like snuggling together like sharing a bunk 100
0: i i I honestly like i i honestly (coughs) thought what i thought it was and then i really thought about it on the spot there but nice to know that there's there's one for everyone (laughs) okay Okay, i gotta ask one more bus question do you guys have an xbox there
1: no we don't but a lot of guys play cards and stuff or just watch movies Mm. or sleep yeah, I Very was going to ask, what's, yeah. what's
2: the big hockey card game now? Is it because years ago it was Schnarples? Is that Schnarps? Kind of
1: yeah. yeah, I've never yeah. played. I haven't played yet, but yeah, a lot of guys like that. Uh, I thought it was
0: Go Fish or Uno. That's what I was guessing. Okay, one <laughs> last question before we let you go, Jason. One thing about you um, that no one really would know is you actually had a cool influence in your life growing up in Rich Klune, Um, you know, AHL, NHL player for a decade, uh, well known in his circles, works for the Maple Leafs now. What's the background of your guys' relationship and just what's it been like to have? Because I remember going to one of your games and he was there, actually, um, when you're on the Junior Canadians. What's your guys' mm-hmm. relationship like and where does it stem from?
1: Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, so our parents are like really good friends. And then when obviously when they go out, he used to actually babysit us. So yeah, No way. Yeah.
0: Did he ever give you a timeout with a knuckle sandwich to the mouth or?
1: Oh, I don't really remember a whole lot. I was well, too you young. With my, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. That's pretty neat. Anyways, Jason yeah. Pinion for the Wichita Thunder. Thank you so much for joining us, and best of luck the rest of the way, man.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks
0: again to Jason for coming on. Nice to have uh, uh, some young blood on the show. Uh, oh, that wasn't a shot at you, but uh, you know, <laughs> we are uh, we are outnumbered. But I'm just saying, you know, it's nice to get a little bit of someone in this uh, generation on.
2: I, I still. Can't that was too easy. I can't believe that I've somehow become old guy in the room. Like, I I can't believe that's me. Like you're, you're going to experience it someday, but hopefully another 40 years. Yeah. But hopefully when you, when you do become old guy in the room, you're going to be like looking at some young guy and be like, have you ever heard of Sidney Crosby? And they're going to be like, no, never heard of him. No, I'll be like, have you heard of Hack and Lube? That's what I'm getting at here. That's what I'm getting at. Someday you're going to experience what I have experienced. Let me ask you one more
0: question before we move on to our, our segments. You mentioned that lost the the player that was studying for law school. Are you mm-hmm. telling me he had like we're, we're talking about a bus that was a greyhound, like, j- like just seats, nothing there, no tables, whatever, and he had a textbook in his hand studying?
2: Yeah, that's essentially how it worked. And this was, I mean, this would have been two thousand, uh, about two thousand one. Is it so- humanly possible to not
0: get carsick doing that?
2: I mean that's how we used to do it. I mean when no, I no, but
0: I, no, of course. But like consecutive periods doing that, like that's insane.
2: Consecutive periods,
0: hours. Like I've like doing oh, oh. like reading, like like an LSAT. I don't know. Maybe well, I, maybe I'm just car sick. I mean the
2: craziest thing is just yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. But I mean yeah. how how did players get their rest back then? I mean I witnessed it. You're sleeping upright. It was essentially what it was was yeah. going on. In how less, do
0: schools accommodate them even too
2: what's what's that
0: how did schools even accommodate them back then jason was saying how he's doing remotely
2: oh i see what you're saying how are
0: schools doing that like it's interesting you
2: you did not have the opportunities that you do now totally to continue your schooling while you know you you, it was you couldn't really take online classes now some players had worked things out like hey i'm just coming out of college i'm gonna catch up don't worry and a lot of times they were almost traveling back to the whatever campus they were from. Oh, Uh, I see. But a lot of players would use that, you know, I'm going to play hockey for a year or two, and I'm going to use that time to prepare for my master's or law school or whatever they were going to do. But you totally did not have the opportunities that you do now to school while you're playing or, you know, infrastructures that leagues like the ECHL set up where they partner with schools so that you can get your education. So we've come a long way of that, but I feel like people your age can't even imagine it. Like, you know, not just the studying, but how did they travel? How did they have interests outside of hockey? Because we just weren't able to handle it like we we do now.
0: Let me ask you this. Do you think that schools and just the change of time with technology and whatnot has led to a higher volume of these signings out of school in terms of like the sheer volume of signings you see in it's the a, middle of the semester, is that why
2: that's a great question? I, I think that has to be the case for sure. I mean, because you used to, it, it was a tough decision, um, you know, in the late 90s. Let's just say, I mean, you, you couldn't do both, like, you had to decide, like, Am I gonna, halt, up, yeah, am I gonna halt my education right. or end my education to pursue this? Uh, but now you can do both. I mean, hey, I, I teach college classes, they're all athletes, these people are often, you know, like this week I've got uh, athletes at national championships for uh, uh, volleyball, and I've got, you know, guys out at wrestling meets, but they don't miss anything, right? You know, and this is what you grew up with. So they they can be in contact with me. They can log on as I'm streaming the class for those who can't be physically in attendance. Um, But the flip side of this, you know, and this is going to be old guy who walked – uphill both ways to school is I do feel like we had to work that much harder just to keep, you know, just, you know, just to make sure you're on the same page with everything. And I think that's the case with athletes too, to some extent. So it's interesting. You're onto something there though. I think we it has enabled players to continue skating and learning at the same time. And we weren't able to do that 15 years ago.
0: I wonder if there's a decent amount of people, in the ECHL whether they came from U Sports or the NSERA that during the season so not just at the the end are like taking a couple online courses chipping oh, away to the degree i'm oh, sure there's oh. a, a big contingent
2: yeah 100% i'm i'm always coming across players and sort of toward the end of the season you ask what they're going to do and oh i'm going to do this because i've been taking this class or yeah. you know i just got this you know you know a certificate so i can go do this it's like I wish I would have known this. Why didn't anybody tell me this? There's all these great stories I could <laughs> right. have done this year. So you do find out a lot of these guys in their spare time are studying, preparing for the next career because they know of most of them, it's going to stop at the ECHL. You know, it's not right. They're not going to make it to the AHL or certainly NHL. So you got to have a, a plan B for sure. Let's get to our prospect
0: of the week. Tag Bertuzzi of the Tulsa Oilers. I think his nickname should be your it by the way. <laughs> that would be Awesome. And before we get to the player, is this a good hockey name, according to Justin Cohn? Uh I
2: think that's a pretty good one. I don't think I would put it as a great one. Uh, I mean, as a Red Wing fan in me, certainly I know the name Bertuzzi, so it speaks to me that way. But you tell me tag, I'm not so sure I put it up there with the right bear hueses of the world, the Easton Brodzinski's of the world. But that's just me.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, tag Bertuzzi, the 22-year-old coming out of rated right of the OHL in his rookie year, he's got 52 points in 61 games, which he split between Norfolk and Tulsa. It since joining Tulsa, he has 33 points in 33 games. He signed to an ECHL deal, but he had one game with Charlotte in the AHL on a loan. And you seem to think that he could be on the like some more AHL time could be on the horizon for him.
2: Yeah. So. For people who have listened to the show, you've probably caught on that usually when we talk about our prospects of the week, they're guys on NHL uh, contracts or maybe American Hockey League contracts. Right. He does not necessarily fit the bill, but I liked him because to answer your question, yes, I absolutely know he's on the radar of AHL teams. I'll be shocked if he's uh, you know not starting off in an AHL camp next year. But also, we know he has a familiar last name that fans in the NHL will be uh, cognizant of. So he is um, the son of longtime NHLer Todd Bertuzzi, played for the Red Wings, Canucks, et cetera. And he is the cousin of Tyler Bertuzzi, currently plays with the Boston Bruins. So we know he's got a really good family lineage there. As you mentioned, it's his first professional season. He was a monster player last year in the Ontario Hockey League with the Flint Firebirds. He had 21 goals. 45 points in 63 regular season games and was just as good in the playoffs when he had five goals and nine points in 19 playoff games as the Firebirds reached the OHL finals. Um, Not a huge player, six foot one, not real stocky. He's 199 pounds. So I'm not going to say that he plays in the vein of his father, who was obviously very physical um, sometimes infamously physical uh, also uh, Tyler Bertuzzi of course plays a physical brand of hockey too. That's not necessarily what tag does well, but as you uh, mentioned here, he has had a wild first professional season in hockey. Um, I don't know if you, you want me to, to go into that yet, exactly what's going well, on. No,
0: So we'll get to that, but I'm curious, you mentioned, you think that there's a HL interest when those types of players are kind of blossoming. You can tell they're ready for the next step. Do they ever leave at this point and go to the playoffs at steps, or is that usually more of an off season thing?
2: Well, I think at this point uh, you're looking more at the
0: off season because it's on the ECHL deal. Now I think about it, right. He's not a, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: I mean, if, if somebody would have called him up, let's say two weeks ago, it it wouldn't have been totally shocking, but you know, he is a rookie. Um, You know, he, he he probably would have had a time with an AHL team that was going to look, at him unless they were really you know had a a big gaping hole here but you know what I see is AHL teams definitely identify exciting rookies in the ECHL that maybe fell through the cracks or they just decided we're not ready but let's see what he does in that league and I think what Tag Bertuzzi has done is rookie in the ECHL with two different teams two different teams that are not very good has been enough that somebody's going to be like look He's proved it. He's amongst one of the best young players in the league and, and look at the, the, you know, the lineage as well. So I mentioned
0: how he has, you know, point per game through 33 games. Tulsa is 10, 21 and two in that span. They started 12, 17 and seven. It's kind of a, you know, a crap, like there's not really much. It's kind of a dumpster fire there throughout the year, but how, how is, has his stint with Tulsa especially impressed you?
2: Yeah, well, I see. I think that's a little, a smidge overly harsh on Tulsa just because they, they are playing in a, in a competitive division. Like Norfolk has been bad, you know, start to finish. Um, but we, we've seen some improvement from Tulsa. I'm not going to say that when they got tagged Bertuzzi, it somehow salvaged their season, but that's not the case. But he has impacted them. The biggest thing has been on the power play. They were dead last in the league on the power play before they acquired him. He comes out, has a hat trick in his first game with Tulsa. All three of those goals, by the way, were on the power play. So in the uh, two and a half months since he's been there, uh, they have moved up five uh, ranking points in the power play. So still not a great team on the power play, but he was, as has been explained to me, he was kind of the missing piece for them there. And that's where we've seen a big part of his impact. Um, But, you know, let's give a little bit of background as to how he got there. So he starts in Norfolk. He uh, did have a, a, a cup of coffee in AHL camp with the Charlotte Checkers. As you mentioned, they would later call him up for a game during the regular season, Uh, So signs in Norfolk, you figure you're in the feeder system now to maybe go to the Chicago Wolves or the Carolina Hurricanes. That's their affiliates. Obviously, that didn't end up working there. But he was doing some really good things for Norfolk. He was one of their leading scorers. Norfolk hosted the ECHL All-Star Classic. He had a couple assists in that game in which Norfolk played the the ECHL All-Stars. And then by ECHL... Yeah, by ECHL standards, a pretty significant trade happens. So you have two bad teams, Norfolk and Tulsa, in opposite conferences. This is on January 27th, and they swap players. So Tag Bertuzzi goes from Norfolk uh, to Tulsa. Tulsa's leading scorer, Jimmy Soper, goes to Norfolk. Now, interestingly, not to take us into the weeds here, Soper never reported to Norfolk. So he ended up never going there. He ends up getting flipped back to, um, why didn't he report there? Do you, do you know? I, I don't specifically. Okay. No, 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 To, no, be, no, honest, just to just be honest care. with you, all good. But, all good. but it happens. Uh, so then he ends up getting flipped back to rapid city. So he's now back in the same conference again, mm. uh, which is sort of interesting. So Soper has played against his former team. Uh, but so tag Bertuzzi, he winds up, uh, in, uh, in Tulsa, uh, after he had eight goals, 19 points in 28 games with Norfolk. Uh, as I mentioned, he has a hat trick in that first game. He has been a point-per-game guy with uh, Tulsa since then, 16 goals, 33 points in 33 games. His plus-minus rating isn't great, but it's the whole team's plus-minus rating isn't, isn't good. He's a minus 10. As I said, he's proved his chops on special teams. He's got 10 power play goals. Uh, he is an energetic player. He's got uh, four first goals, which I think is a nice stat to have. He's had a couple finishers, a couple empty netters. He does have a game-winning goal, too. Uh, so as you mentioned, Tulsa 10-21-2, and two, but I think he has made a big impact with them. And let's just, a couple other stats. He is 11th among all ECHL rookies with 52 points this season. He is third among all ECHL rookies with 11 power play goals. And he has 24 goals overall, which ranks sixth. So, you know, he's keeping up with some of the big go- big boys, guys like Hank Krohn, uh, Owen Hedrick, uh, Alex Iarulo. Uh, not out of place with the, uh, the league's top rookies. And, um, you know, he's an exciting player. You know, he's a guy that's going to get some traffic in front of the net. But he is a really nice playmaker. Uh, he will stick handle through some guys, has a nice shot. I really think his style of play – is not that far from Tyler Bertuzzi's, just with a, a little less of a physical aspect to him.
0: Let's get to our team of the week, the Maine Mariners, affiliate for the Providence Bruins and the Boston Bruins um, in the ECHL. They've got a playoff spot all locked up in the North Division. Seven wins their last 10 games. They're playing the Reading Royals. Um, home ice advantage still kind of up for grabs. Before we get to the personnel, tell us a bit about Maine's season, Justin.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's, been a, uh, it's been a dogfight up in that division. You know, one of the things that we've seen, we, we kind of knew all along that Newfoundland and Reading were probably going to be the top two teams, and that's where they stand right now. Yeah. Uh, Newfoundland's been, been looking great. But what's been interesting is Maine has had to hold off a uh, push by some other teams. And, uh, you know, they had enough of a cushion that they didn't have to get real nervous over, let's say, the last three weeks. But Adirondack really made a nice push. And I wanted to mention that really ever since Pete MacArthur was on this show, they have done really well. So they're back into the playoff race. Um, but for Maine, a lot of the talk for me is is about goaltending. I mean, they do a lot of nice things, but they've got two legit prospects uh, in their goaltending. I'm sure we might as well jump into that now with, sure. um, with uh, Michael DiPietro. He is on an NHL contract and Francois Broussard, who is on an AHL deal. These guys lately, as uh, as Maine has been playing much better lately, they've essentially been alternating games. And if you go through the stats, they're facing, I would average it, about 36 shots a night over the last few weeks. So defensively of course they need to lock down a little bit more but they're getting that timely goaltending and they're getting it from both their guys dp Pietro and Brassard. and so i think that's a really encouraging sign for them as they make this push to try and get that uh that second seed in the division
0: who starts game one if it were today
2: i, I think it's probably Pietro. i mean and and of course when you have a guy on an nhl deal you tend to think they're they're going to be anyway because the NHL team is going to want to see them playing, but that's not always the case. But I look at something that happened last week. They had a really impressive victory. They won two to one at South Carolina, South Carolina as a team we've talked about a lot, clinch the, uh, the South uh, this week. Uh, So two to one win and DiPietro stops 32 of 33 shots against the stingrays. So for me, that's, that's kind of a real, Uh, signature win down the stretch here that says to me, you know, he he should be the guy when they get into game one to me.
0: Second question, do you think that they rotate? Uh, That's kind of where that that stops in the playoffs. You kind of take one guy and run with it. I'm curious, though, for two reasons. One, yes, DiPietro's on a NHL contract, so there's that element which would make you think no. But then also it's like with Maine being so hot, with them rotating goalies they consider it look at their parent club boston's been doing it
2: yeah food for uh, thought I, food for thought yeah no i it, at this level to me it is much more common to see teams run with uh them. you know run with a, a a rotation some of it can depend on the scheduling now i have not seen all the playoff schedules yet cuz we don't know all the teams yet so i don't specifically know what mains is going to be but it's not Shocking to see teams go back-to-back nights, sometimes three-and-threes, even in the playoffs. Now, they try to uh, avoid three-and-threes at almost all costs, so I don't think we'll necessarily see that. But, you know, you got to gauge the travel. you got to gauge a lot of things. But looking at it, no, I would not expect Di Pietro to get game one start, and it's his net the whole way. I think the great thing about having a great quality second option is you don't have to be that patient. You know, Mm -hmm. you can, you can play some matchups. You know, I've seen some wild things, especially at this level, certain goalies do better in certain arenas, you know, just as a wild example. Yeah. yeah, Like Kalamazoo, uh, the Kalamazoo wings have an arena that is kind of known for being very intimate and difficult on goaltenders. And it's got really bouncy boards. There's a lot of things. And I've seen goalies that just can't play there. And so sometimes you get into a playoff series, you got to know who's comfortable there, but that's a great question. Let's get to a couple of people that you circled
0: on Maine's roster. Let's kind of go through uh, their season, how they're doing, what you think of them. Let's start with 28 year old Alex. Kyle He's on an AHL deal with Lehigh Valley. He's got 14 goals and 35 points in 35 games with Maine. Why, why have you circled him as one of the guys to
2: watch? Well, he's a, he's a dynamic offensive player. Um, you know, he, he can be a little bit spotty sometimes defensively. He had a minus four game recently. We'll try not to hold that against him. Uh, but he's just a really exciting player. He'll do a lot of different things from a lot of different areas. Uh, very opportunistic. As you said, 14 goals and 35 points. So that's more than a point a game with the Mariners. He is an AHL level talent. He does not look out of place when he's up in Lehigh Valley. So when you have Alex Kyle there, it's really a game changer because it amplifies your top line. And, you know, he's he's just been a dangerous player down the stretch. Grant Gabriel, defenseman, he's
0: actually signed by Providence on an age hold deal. Standing out lately, one goal, four points, and a plus three rating in the last seven games. What do you like about him?
2: Yeah, I mean Maine has had some really quality defensemen this year and guys on higher level contracts, but he's the one that kind of stands out to me lately. Um, he's not going to be a overwhelming score, but he's been doing really nicely lately. One goal, four points and a plus three rating in the last seven games. He's a six foot two rookie. What I like of him is his experience. He was an Ohio state player. Uh, he was a nice uh, defensive college player. He's been in some big games. So when you go into the playoffs, especially in that division, which we know is a very fast division, a lot about speed, you need those reliable defensive anchors. I think Grant Gabriel can be one of those guys. If they're facing a team like Reading or even you know, a second round Newfoundland, which is going to have players who are really good, speedy in transition, you need to know that you've got some players who can skate and know how to position themselves well. And I think Grant Gabriel is one of those guys.
0: And finally, Tim Doherty, 21 goals and 69 points. Uh, Oh, sorry, in 21 games, I have that can't be right. That would be five points a game.
2: Uh, Yeah, that is not right. That is not right. Let's let's
0: let's do a handy dandy Google search.
2: Tim Doherty has 21 goals and 69 points in 66 games. Okay, that would make a lot more sense. Sorry for the typo on my notes there.
0: All good, man. I'd be lost without you. So, one mistake by you is countered by hundred by me. So we're all good. So Tim Doherty is not recording five points per game, but just about hovering around the point per game. Mark, a player that you like a lot has the power play, right?
2: Yeah. He's very good on the power play. Where does he play?
0: Uh, where, like where in the ozone is he on the bumper? Is he a distributor? Uh,
2: I think I usually see him up at the circles uh, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. but I could be a little bit off on that. Uh, but I believe he's usually a shooter up at the circles. Uh, he's got 21 goal. Uh, we, we already did that. Excuse me. Um, he I already screwed at, that up. Yeah. He played at the university of Maine, by the way, which is interesting to me. So he's familiar with the territory, obviously a popular player there. Uh, he's on an ECHL deal. So he's been there this season. They've had a lot of guys jumping back and forth. I feel that the teams you always need to have at least one solid top line guy. That's on your ECHL contract that you feel reasonably sure is going to remain around Gives you some, um, you know, just it solidifies things. It, it you don't have to worry. Is this guy the, gonna be up? Is he gonna be down? So I like what he does there, and he's just a solid top line player who's gonna be good on special teams. He's gonna play in a number of different situations, and I think he pairs really well with guys like Alex Kyle uh, and gives them a, a really prodigious offense.
0: Before we end things off, you have a little interesting tidbit on the Idaho Sealheads, hey?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, there's been so many great stats about Idaho this year. They lead the league in offense, defense. They're maybe the best regular season the league's ever seen. But this one jumped out at me this week. They have been outshot by opponents 14 times this year. They won all 14 of those games. Wow. So we're always raving about their defense. But even if you somehow pepper their their net with your shots, they still beat you. It's just – it's incredible. I'm interested. That's interesting because – 14
0: times being out. I know that there's a lot of data that suggests like shots on goal isn't necessarily the best determination, but like 14 times be outshot to win every time is pretty crazy. You no, know?
2: like yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the standings right now, just as we record this, Idaho's 56, 10, and three, and they've got a 40 point lead over second place Allen. And by the way, I wanted to mention this. Allen, when we talked a bunch about them in early February. They were in, I believe, sixth place. And I said, Watch out. That is a team that is going to make the playoffs, and they're going to be super dangerous. They have, uh, they're unbeaten in their last seven games. They have jumped up into second place. They are probably going to play Kansas City, maybe Wichita in the first round. And that is just not a team anybody's going to want to play. Let's see
0: how it shakes out. Like the Boston Bruins of the ECHL, Idaho, they're on a historic season, and, uh, looking good what well and,
2: and one thing though they are you know they could have just you know hit cruise control they've won nine right. of their last 10 games nine of 10 after they they clinched the regular season trophy so whatever oh they're doing out there is is, is really nice but it's going to be tough i mean there are teams that i think are absolutely going to give them a run uh you know cincinnati allen if they make it that far newfoundland there are south carolina so a lot of teams, I think, are, are 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 prematurely, I think a lot of people are prematurely saying, oh, this is Idaho's to lose. But I still think there are some teams that are going to give them a run despite all the accolades we've talked about with them.
0: I love an upset, so I'd love to see that happen. Anyways, though, for this week, we're going to sign off here. Thanks again to Jason for coming on the show and joining us. And to you, Justin, for tolerating me. Your check
2: is in the mail. Anyways, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week.